0: From time to time during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. we missed that? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 3 of the How Did We Miss That podcast. I'm Christine.
1: And I'm John.
0: And we've got some awesome stories again for you guys. We are so pleased with how much response we've gotten for our show. Everybody seems really excited about it. So I'm really excited to bring you Episode 3. Um, Yeah, and we don't really beat around the bush here. We kind of just get right into it. So I've no, got a really I, good
1: story for you today. Can I just say real quick, I'm excited to be a part of this and the response is overwhelming. I wish it was this great for our other podcast, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I guess people just really like this stuff more than they like hearing us uh, talk smack about our life and our kids. I guess so. But that's okay. If any one of these takes us to millionaire status, uh, it can be this one. I'm okay with that. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to it. What All do you right, got today? Let's
0: get to it. So the story that I have for you today, I've I've done kind of similar stories in the last two episodes, so I went in a completely different direction this time. Um, this is the story of the Ant Hill Kids and Rosh Tario.
1: It sounds like a so rap group from the 80s, the it, Ant Hill Kids.
0: It does, the Ant Hill Kids. So the, it was actually in the 80s, which is odd <laughs> um, that you say that. But uh, it's, it's a story out of Canada, so I think that's probably why we missed it. A. But this story is, uh, I'm going to be honest, it's really gruesome. So I hope you haven't eaten recently, and if you don't like this, maybe you should skip ahead to the conspiracy part.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not very gruesome. Um, My part's it's pretty a, clean.
0: It's kind of a tough story, so I hope you stay with me. Am but, I going to be able to handle it over here? I don't know. I barely could handle uh, it. We didn't I was... speak
1: about this pre-show, so I'm I a little know. nervous. I don't like um, blood and things. I might get a little well, queasy over here. Yeah,
0: it's possible. Yee. Anyway, so um, the sources for this story are the Mirror News article by Jane Lavender from February of 2019. I also, of course, our best friend Wikipedia gave me lots of information. Mm -hmm. And episode 13 of the Dark Histories podcast was quite interesting. So check it out if you want a little bit more information than I can dive into. He's got some really great uh, actual details for you. So if you want to hear more, go ahead and head on over to that one. I like it. So we're going to talk about Roche Teriot, and you'll have to excuse me. a lot of these names are French, so sometimes
1: that's why you have me. I can right. help here. I took like French in high school
0: right, so I am not you French, know. so we <laughs> oui. this is it might be a little I might <laughs> stumble over my words, please be sure to shout at me and let me know what I got wrong.
1: okay, we'll do our social,
0: but anyway, so he was a charismatic leader who believed he was saving his followers from sin as they do, right yeah he. Basically, his whole goal with this cult that he started was to ensure that his believers had a place in heaven, following what he believed was going to be the imminent end of the world.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, to the outside world, the Ant Hill Kids looked like just another hippie commune. It was a bunch of people living together, working together, tilling the land. Right. Um. They supported themselves by being completely self-sufficient, and they were kind of in the idyllic Canadian wilderness.
1: Sounds, yeah. Okay. Sounds like
0: heaven, right?
1: Yeah, if you're into that, you know, self-sustainability and all that stuff, that's where one would live.
0: Well, there was no way that anyone could know of the chilling reality of what actually went on inside the cult. So that's what we're going to kind of get into today.
1: That's kind of the story for every cult out there, right? There's no good cults,
0: are there? (laughs) Truth, I guess.
1: I mean, like, hey, it, it was all sunshine and rainbows here. Like, we just partied and had a good time. There's always some kind of seedy underbelly to the word cult.
0: Right. Yeah. It does have quite a negative connotation. And Absolutely. I think it's people like this guy that helped that happen. Yeah. So just as a quick little getting your feet wet into the story, um, members were forced to break their own legs with sledgehammers.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: and children were nailed to trees. There was sex abuse and people were made to eat their own feces. And this kind of thing was like a daily occurrence. And people
1: were on board with this. Was there there some promise of like virgins when you were dead, like Uh, Al Qaeda and all that?
0: We'll talk about that. Please tell me you're going to get into that. Right. This isn't even half of it. All right. Um, So like I said, eating their own poop, sexual abuse. This was daily occurrences along with having their teeth and even limbs removed.
1: Jesus, uh, yeah. why? Please skip to the I why. Don't know,
0: but this is like, how did we not hear about this? How did we yeah, miss this? Seriously. Right? Twelve adults and twenty two children were completely under Ontario's disgusting spell. Okay, but the terrifying truth of what was happening at Burnt River, Ontario. So everything kind of came to a head in Ontario in a place called Burnt River was only discovered when a physically broken and buty- bu- brutally, brutally, brutally. What kind of a word is brutally?
1: Brutally, brutally.
0: <laughs> brutally abused, one of his followers escaped and alerted authorities to the horrors of life as an anthill kid. So, hmm. buckle up. I'm ready. So, let's dive deeper and learn a little more about this man that so many followed, like just completely blindly, basically. It's well, there's insane.
1: always a reason, but yeah, I know that's what they say, but there's got to be some reason, right? I mean, you're going to get obviously. to the why. I know you I hope will. hope so. I can't I wait really to hear. Hope
0: so. Terrio was born to a Catholic. Why is it always Catholics, right? <laughs> French, Canadian so, you know, family.
1: Some say the Catholics are a cult within themselves. So this I will is just, true. You know, Agreed. maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, he was born in
0: 1947. He was what some people would call a bright boy, but he decided to drop out of a school when he was just 13 years old. So here to us, that's what, like seventh grade, eighth grade? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, Instead, he decided to immerse himself in the study of the Old Testament, and this was when his disturbing obsession with the end of the world began. So instead of going to school, he decides, you know, I'm just going to study the Old Testament. Well, what's in the Old Testament? Everything bad, right? I mean, not bad. It ends yeah. up being good well, in the that, end,
1: but... Isn't that the beginning of the world? The New Testament's the end of the world. No, no. You got it backward. Revelation.
0: Oh, that's right. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Sorry. Ooh, look at me, Catholic school teacher. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) We can
1: edit that part out. (laughs) Thanks.
0: So even though he was raised a Catholic, Terio converted to the Seventh-day Adventist church and adopted their way of life, which he actually was really interested in because it centered around a healthy lifestyle, free from processed foods and tobacco, and he kind of like just really latched onto that. He liked that idea. But by the mid-1970s, Terryo had become convinced that he was the people's savior. Okay. Yeah, because I mean that makes sense, right? Nice. Yes. Yeah, like Easy you do. jump. Like yep. you do. Mm-hmm. The only one who could keep them safe in the war between good and evil that would lead to the end of the world. Done. It was dun. at this point he's he's spouting all this, he's telling the church, all the people that go to church, I'm the savior, I'm the savior. So the seven day seventh day Adventist church kind of said, nee, We don't like you, kind of pushed him away. Um, and I think this like rejection was really hard for him. I think partly where he kind of went wacko. So, it, you know, reading all this, it always seems like the, the the people that do these terrible things are always charismatic speakers. That's always like the the, the one thing they say. Like Hitler was such a charismatic speaker, right? Yes. I well, mean,
1: can I can I chime in real quick? Yeah. As someone who um, is a leader by a profession and studies it immensely, you you have to be right. because you're dealing with people that are need to be built up and all those things. I mean, let's face it. I'm not trying to make a comparison to Hitler here, but Trump is compared to him quite a bit. And he's a g- tremendous speaker compared to... huge, Yes, tremendously huge, bigly speaker <laughs> compared to his current opponent and last time's opponent. I mean, blows him out of the water. So, I mean, any good leader, even though they're maybe doing bad things, that's one of the traits you have to have.
0: Right. Well, I I just don't understand how you could possibly get so many people to follow you blindly, right? I mean... It has to be a trait that you have. Yeah, he was easily able to persuade others to join his religious movement, and the Ant Hill Kids cult was born. I mean, that's where it came from.
1: Yeah, the Ant Hill Kids, yo. The Ant Hill. <laughs> Did they get tattoos? And
0: that would be really cute, but no. Itterio's <laughs> um, original goal was to form a free thinking commune where people could listen to his teachings and live in freedom as equals. So that was his original goal. Didn't turn out that way exactly. So the cult's real story begins in, now here we go. I think it's Saint-Marie, I think.
1: I would need to see it.
0: It looks like Saint with an E.
1: Okay.
0: Saint-Marie. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, Quebec in 1977. And he gets all these followers and immediately bans them from talking to their family and from having anything to do with this Seventh Day Adventist church. And I think that's like goal number one for any cult leader is like, you've got to have complete control. You can't have other people chirping in the ear of your followers saying, oh, this is not a good idea. Right. Right. Right? So he immediately tells them you can't have anything to do with your family in order to be part of this group. You need to be fully involved and immersed in us.
1: Yeah. I own you. You're mine. Right. Yes.
0: So in the following months, Terrio's delusions grew and he became convinced the world would end in February. Well, February 17th, to be exact, of 1979 saying that God himself had warned him to prepare himself and his commune for the end of days, which he said was going to come in the form of huge hailstorms and earthquakes. Mm. So to keep the commune safe, they moved from Quebec to a mountainside that he dubbed the Eternal Mountain. And this is where they were going to live. Sounds impressive. Right. They were going to live out their end of days here at the Eternal Mountain. Okay. So he got a chance to meditate and be a philosopher and... Give nightly sermons while the rest of the members of the cult built basically an entire town, like these huge cabins that everybody could live in. And they were working like little worker ants, which is where the name Ant Hill Kids came from. Gotcha. But as you can guess, since I'm sitting here and you're sitting here, the apocalypse didn't come.
1: Yeah, not yet. No. Lots of of speculation about when that will be, but still waiting. Thank goodness. We're still waiting.
0: (laughs) But because of this, his believers began to lose trust in him, as you would assume. But Terio had an answer for them, of course, of like course. they always do. Yes, and he claimed that time within the human plane and gods was different. Yeah. So basically, Duh. like you know, the crazy Mayan people, he trying to say that the timeline would be off due to you know whatever reason.
1: Right. Yeah. He's
0: basically saying, like, oh, I just read it wrong. Our yeah. time, yeah, we don't have the same time, so it's gonna come in a different day. And
1: I will say that's plausible. I mean, that even if you're not whacked out of your mind and willing to break your own legs for this guy, I think that's a plausible explanation because the time probably is
0: not the same. Right. You know? But life within the Ant Hill Kids cult had already begun to take an even more sinister turn. Uh, sorry, desperate to expand his kingdom of believers and increase their devotion, Terriel married every single female follower and got each one of them pregnant.
1: Sounds like Negan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Stating that it was a religious right that they had to follow to go through in order to be part of this cult. They had to marry him and have a child by him.
1: I tell you, these cult leaders, even like Osama bin Laden for Al-Qaeda, he had all the wives to right. just bone anybody what he wanted this? to. I, I mean, it sounds like a good deal to this uh, this guy over here.
0: Hey, go for it. <laughs> Aside
1: from all the crazy, I just can I start a cult where I have the it's the right to marry me and do bad <laughs> things with me?
0: I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he ended up fathering more than 20 children with nine mothers, and the group's numbers have now swelled to 40 individuals. So now he's got 40 followers in his group. Kind of like Instagram back then, you know? How many followers can I get?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. What year is this again?
0: This is um, late 1970s at this point.
1: And that is a very interesting correlation you just made, because man, social media is becoming a little cult-like. <laughs> actually, it is actually, you do these zany things to get followers, yeah. and we feel good when we have followers
0: yeah I mean, sure. I mean it's
1: it fits all the same business model as cults, yes. honestly,
0: yeah, I get it. I hear yeah. Each group member wore an identical tunic, which was supposed to symbolize equality, but basically it took away their individuality, adding to the idea that they were all below him because he didn't have to wear this thing.
1: Well, that sounds a little hands-made, Taylor. I know. yeah,
0: and it you know, it increased his grip on them if they don't have any way to be individual you know they feel like they don't have their rights they feel like you know they can't say anything we're all the same like how can i be better than anyone else
1: um, you feel owned at that point that's why when you go to prison they put you in a jumpsuit and exactly same same reason so in
0: 1984 the anthill kids moved for the second time they set up home in a little hamlet (laughs) in burnt river ontario where the drinking problem ontario had developed just got worse With this, the sexual abuse of his female followers also became more frequent and intense. But in addition to this, he began to exert control in even more violent ways. So I had told you that he told his followers they can't talk to their families, right? Well, now they weren't even able to speak to one another without his permission. And then any couples that joined the cult were not allowed to have sex unless he gave them permission to do so because they were supposed to be married to him, remember? Yeah. Right. So this is another way that he's like exercising his control. Right. Over people. Terio's drinking and increasing paranoia made him convinced that his believers were spying on him and were considering leaving what he believed to be his perfect cult. Mm -hmm. So he's just like, why would you ever want to leave this? It's perfect. Anyone who gave any idea that they wanted to leave was severely punished. Terio would hit them with a belt initially, but this proved to be too lenient and he began attacking them with hammers. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he would have them hung from the ceiling and he would pluck out each of their body hairs individually oh my god yeah
1: as a hairy man that that would be <laughs> sounds, uh, pretty brutal
0: sounds pretty awful as his power grew terrio even got his followers to break their own legs with sledgehammers they sit on lit stoves and they would shoot each other in their shoulders
1: with well, what shoot each other yeah with guns well yeah Oh, my God. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I thought you meant like with needles or something.
0: Well, yeah. So there was a story about a husband and wife. And the wife, throughout this whole process, was increasingly suspicious of him. And she was actually one of the only women that did not marry Rosh. Okay. She, I don't know how, I I don't think he liked her very much. (laughs) Was Um, she the ugly one? So she was able to... Get away from his clutches, basically. But she stayed with her husband in this cult. They ended up having two children inside the cult, not with him, with each other. Yeah. Um. But one night she was talking about leaving, and I guess wind got to Rosh that she wanted to do this. And in order to prove his loyalty, her husband Jacques was asked to cut off her toe to show that he was going to stay and he wasn't going anywhere. So he promptly cut off her pinky toe.
1: Wow. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see a show sometime on um, Lifetime or wherever it would be about cult kids. These kids that were born. yeah, And don't end up living it out because the cult goes away or something and they're still around. Yeah, maybe, I mean,
0: you were, this is how you were brought up. Like, yeah,
1: and maybe they lived there till they were 10 or 11. Like, what, what does that do? To, how bad is your mind completely fucked by the time you're... Out of that thing.
0: Yeah, I don't even know. I'd love to see
1: a story or special on that.
0: Well, speaking of the children, they weren't even safe from this disgusting abuse. The young members of the Ant Hill kids were routinely sexually abused, nailed to trees so other children could hurl stones at them, and they were held over open flames.
1: This is the the most violent cult I think I've ever heard of. And I I haven't done a ton of cult research, but this is...
0: How do we not know about all this? I mean, how do people
1: why do people continue to sign up for this and stay around?
0: I know. I don't know. Well, I I can't speak to it because I've never been in a situation where I was totally completely brainwashed. And it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, no, I totally wouldn't follow this person. But I don't know.
1: Well, you're right. But think about it in the context of like uh, marriage, for example. Right. You kind of, the dating process is kind of the brainwashing in the sense you're getting to know <laughs> okay. the person and what they're all about. And then you like propose and you marry. If, if on week three of marriage, I started saying, I need you to roast yourself over a flame while I hit your leg with a sledgehammer. You'd be like, peace out. I'm gone. Well, I mean, like what's hanging over their head here in the form of a promise? Or, he's
0: promised them that they would be safe from the end of the world, which he has said God is speaking to him. I mean, it, it's it's just like our religion. We we right. feel that Jesus Christ yeah. was the Savior, whatever it is. Um, it, it's the same thing. He was able to convince them that all of this was happening.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a fair point that I think in some religions down in the, you know, maybe the Bible Belt or whatever. Don't, don't at me, people. I'm speaking way out of turn here. But there are some very deep religious factions out there, too, that, you know, Jesus Christ is the Savior and will save you from... Hell and all those things, they do some pretty ritualistic, strange things as well. Not to this extent, but far far more than like your average Catholic does. So,
0: yeah, and he was able to break them so badly that they felt like this punishment they were getting was deserved. You know, just like that we've heard the stories of priests who will torture themselves because of their, you know, sins or whatever. It's it's kind of the same thing. They feel like this is deserved. Like what they're going through is because they strayed from the Savior.
1: Yeah, what's that group called? The guy that was in the Da Vinci Code that I have no idea. I can't I remember, remember what they're called now, but they yeah they they do all the things that Jesus supposedly went through, right? To themselves,
0: right? Well, so like I said, they're so badly beaten, they're so downtrodden, they feel like this is their only hope, right? So actually, one story I heard was one of Terio's wives. She left her newborn child, a child named Eleazar, outside in a blizzard where the baby died. Jesus. Um, she said later that she wanted to get the baby away from Rosh's clutches, that it wasn't a, a safe life for this baby. So that's yeah. why she did it. Yeah. Because of his power, he ensured none of his followers blamed him for any of the abuse they were suffering and none of them dared to question him. So we kind of talked about that. It's their feeling like he's the savior. Why would I question this? Yeah. In a desperate attempt to bring the cult back to his original teachings, Theriault would purify his followers by stripping them naked and then whipping them. <laughs> By this time he believed he was a godlike being and started performing surgeries on members of the cult. But of course he had no medical training, so these all went so well.
1: Yeah, and probably not clean tools or environments uh, to do so in.
0: No. So some of these surgeries included removing teeth and um some botched circumcisions.
1: Oh. We, one of which You had to go there.
0: Yeah, it was bad. So he cleaned the surgical instrument with 94% ethanol i think is how you say it alcohol right yes ethanol ethanol Mm -hmm. alcohol and then also injected the baby with the alcohol oh my god so the baby died
1: yeah (laughs) you can't do that
0: yeah no he was found the next morning dead of an infection obviously yeah um so that i would say probably didn't go well he even performed some castrations as punishment what gets me though is that all of this could have been stopped earlier in 1987 when social wor- workers removed 17 of the children from the Anhill Kids cold because of the baby that I just talked about, who passed away from freezing to death. Um, they wanted to bury it. I it, in order to bury it, they had to get permission to do so. They had to have an autopsy on the baby. It turns out the coroner said the baby died of SIDS, but this just kind of Authorities were a little confused by all this, and so they decided to investigate.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Ended up taking 17 of the children away from the cult. He was called in for questioning. They also wanted to give him a psychological evaluation. But because of his charisma, he was able to charm them into believing that everything was so wonderful at the cult, and they were all living in peace and harmony. And because they didn't really have anything to go on, he didn't do anything wrong that they knew of, they let him go. And the children were returned to the cult. That that sounds like bad police work to me. I'm just uh, saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Yeah. I mean, I just don't have any idea how he could have escaped justice th- like that. But later on, I'll tell you about more times he well, was I, able to escape justice. Y-
1: yeah. And this one in particular, you have more than enough to do a psych hold on this guy. Right. Because just your normal people, I don't care how charismatic you are or what you say about how people are living in peace you have a little gang basically called the Aunt Hill kids kids that's already kind of creepy enough and then these things are happening that that's a, that should be enough i mean i get it this was a different time but come on now
0: right so because of jonestown i'm mean, I'll, I'll get into this right now about the times that he's escaped justice basically Because of Jonestown. So Jonestown had just gone on. The cult thing is pretty scary at this point in time in history. Um, They actually began to watch him closely. So in 1978, they kind of started to pay attention to what was going on in his little place. Couldn't really get him on anything. Nobody's complaining. So, I mean, they're living out in the woods with nobody to watch them. So they can't really get him. But eventually, in 1982, he is actually arrested and convicted for assault and negligence. So he ends up spending two years in prison for these things. Okay. He also spent another year in prison. I can't remember why. It was a suspended sentence of a year in prison. I think it was also another negligence claim, but his followers were able to rent four apartments near the prison so that they could continually visit him and stay close to him. And when he got out in 1984, that's when he, like, kicked up his reign of terror, like, a notch. Which you didn't think it could be kicked up a notch, but it does. Yeah. And it gets worse. (laughs) Do
1: tell. Yeah. I'm kind of scared to go down this hole.
0: So, in 1989, one of Theriault's followers, her name is Solange, I think I'm saying that right? Solange, yeah. Solange. Yeah,
1: isn't that Beyonce's sister, too? I don't know. Solange, I don't know much
0: about Queen B. Sorry. (laughs) All right. Anyway,
1: irrelevant. (laughs) Um. Anyway,
0: Solange Boyard was suffering from a terrible stomach issue. She had been like excruciating pain. Members of the cult are, you know, they don't know what to do. They bring her to Terio, and at this point, he believed he was a vessel of God and capable of curing any sickness. So he took matters into his own hands and wanted to prove to them. That he could do this and that was the exactly wrong choice to make. Yeah. He laid the seriously ill Solange naked on a table and punched her in the stomach. With no pain relief or anesthetic, he rammed a plastic tube into her. Oh my God. In her rectum, he gave her an enema basically yeah. of olive oil and molasses. Um. I-, I don't know why. <laughs> then, as if it couldn't get any worse, he reached into his stomach, her stomach, excuse me, with his bare hands and removed part of her intestines.
1: How do you, how does one reach into a stomach? He did it. Did he cut, I mean, he cut her open. <laughs> I'm then.
0: sure he cut a, like a chunk of skin out, but yeah. And she's just like laying there screaming in agony. Okay.
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> you ready for more? No. Cause there's more. I'm not. Another cult member, Gabrielle, and I think it's Lavalie was ordered to stitch Solange back together while the other woman blew into a tube, shoved down her throat. And as you can guess, she died the following day. They buried her body in the mountainside, but it didn't end there for poor Solange. You'd think she would be able to just rest in peace now, but she didn't because Roche believed now that he could resurrect the dead. So, what he decided to do was to dig her up, and then he drilled a hole in her skull and ejaculated into it.
1: <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but these are um these are so fantastical and crazy, yeah, that they're almost like silly sounding
0: right. so he also ordered the other men and the cult to do the same thing. oh my God, thinking that he was impregnated by the soul of Solange, and that if he put it back into her, she would. <sighs> Resurrect, who? So that was rough. I mean, it's a lot of crazy stuff happening here in this thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you're going to get into the backstory, but how this guy's a special kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, this is a pretty special kind of crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So her body was laid to rest close to the commune, but uh, Gabrielle. So I mentioned her earlier. She was worried that she would be desecrated yet again, and so decided to tell him that she needed to be cremated just to kind of save her, to allow her to finally be at peace. Yeah. Um, so she was able to get them to do that for her. However, he decided to keep a jar of her ashes and a rib, one of her ribs in a leather pouch and continue to ejaculate into the jar.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say that getting cremated would save you from having your brain no. ejaculated on, but now he take, no, takes it a her step ashes further. ashes
0: and her rib bone. So yeah. That's Um, disgusting. Yeah. So Gabrielle, who had already had her private parts burned, eight of her teeth removed, and part of her breast sliced off, had had enough, she decided she was going to flee the cult. She was able to escape, but she found that she was under his spell so badly that she was unable to live without him, and she ended up returning. In punishment, he cut off one of her fingers and then pinned her hand to a table with a hunting knife before he cut her arm off.
1: See, You just said spell. Mm-hmm. And I know that was a figure of speech, but that's what right. this is starting to sound like more than like a religious belief is I this dude put like a voodoo curse on these people.
0: Right. So if you end up listening to the uh, podcast episode that I referenced, he has some letters written by the cult members to Rosh about their feeling and about saying, I'm so sorry that I, I sinned against you, basically. I mean, it really, truly sounds like they believe he is the savior. He's going to save them. So, I mean...
1: I don't know. I I know I keep saying this and I keep asking you and you don't know. It's more for the listener's (laughs) sake. But how does one get to the point where you believe someone like that?
0: I don't know. And I'm telling you, I can't I I can't speak for this because I I don't know how I would react. I don't know if faced with somebody so charismatic like that, that I would be able to go. "Mm, You're kind of weird. I don't know if I mean I'm sure he did like day one. Okay, let's cut off your pinky. I'm sure it's like it's a no, built up right, right trust. It's He's a built up trust. them down. They feel like they have no other way.
1: Yes, but there's got to be something in the brain wrong with you not to realize something that's wrong, right? I mean, if we lived, I don't it, know, if we lived I can't back say. in the times of Jesus, I'm sure he was very charismatic, and you had that same feelings. But if he started doing some really freaky deaky stuff, I think people would have been
0: like, eh. What do you mean, I like don't know. raising people from the dead and turning water into wine? No, I mean th- That'd those be are pretty freaky deaky to me. It
1: is, but they're <laughs> positive freaky deaky. I, if he started saying, "I'm going to burn your junk and cut your legs off," I think people would have thought felt differently back then, and they would have, you know,
0: right. But I explained to you that he made them believe they deserved this.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, guess. it's
0: hard for me. It's hard for me to say, and I'm. Sure, there's people out there that have gotten themselves out of cults that are like, I can't believe that happened to me. So it's hard to sit here and be like, Yeah, oh, that would never happen to me. Like, I, I don't know. I can't yeah, say and for put sure. It,
1: put it into more of, I guess, a realistic context. Think about like an abusive relationship. Exactly. I guess it's the same thing. You don't know how to leave you're yeah, afraid to leave exactly. all those things. You I feel think, like
0: you deserve what you got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That this person is your end all be all and you can't live without them. It's and just hard it's exactly for you it. and
1: I to visualize and figure out cause we're not banana lands crazy. Right. I mean, yes. I, I guess that's part of it. But.
0: So amazingly in 1989, Gabrielle escaped for a second time. And because of her story, Terrio was finally arrested. He was found guilty of amputating Gabrielle's arm And he received a jail sentence of 12 years. But the investigation into the brutal practices inside the Ant Hill Kids cult didn't end there. In 1993, he pleaded guilty to Solange's murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Finally. So finally, he's been investigated several times as this has gone on. I haven't told you about every single investigation because most of them turned out to be Nothing. There was a point where he was sent to a psychological hospital to be evaluated, and he charmed the doctor so much that they ended up writing a 300-page report in defense of him and his practices. So he was investigated several times, but was able to get people to believe in him as well, I guess. I mean, this guy must have just been the craziest speaker
1: I mean, I'm pretty charming, but not enough to get out of that.
0: Yeah, crazy. Or to
1: convince all these people but to do these things. you also have to remember,
0: none of these people were complaining.
1: Yeah, I, I <laughs> think that's where that's the problem. As a as a law enforcement person, what do you do?
0: Yeah, so there were some times like um, remember that wife I told you she yeah. was married and didn't really want to be in it. Um, she convinced him to let her go, if the deal was she would take her youngest daughter, but her oldest daughter, who was going to be married to him was going to stay in the cult along with her husband. So she, like, noped the heck out of there. Yeah,
1: but she um, cut a deal.
0: Right, but then later on tried to get custody back of her daughter and was able to tell them some of these things that were going on. So the the evidence against him was slowly mounting, and I think that's why they finally were able to get him. Um, but before that, nobody was running away. Nobody was complaining. I mean, you get your freaking toe knocked off if you even think about running away. Yeah, So...
1: Uh, That's crazy. I yeah, I'm just having a hard time with this. I know.
0: So again, he's got a sentence of 12 years. He's behind bars. He pleaded guilty for Solange, but despite being behind bars, Terrio had fathered four more children during conjugal visits with several of his many wives in 2009. So this is where the part of where how where were we? Yeah. I mean, this is 2009. There's another incident in 2011. So it's like, how did we not hear about this guy? So in 2009, Controversy over Overtario made headlines, which, I mean, I guess it's Canada, but you'd yeah, think. Yeah, He made headlines again when he tried to sell his artwork on a United States-based website, MurderAuction.com.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, how is that a thing?
1: It's got to be a dark web thing, I how, would think.
0: How did we miss that?
1: I, I didn't even know that
0: existed. <laughs> well, so they call themselves a true crime auction house. I'd actually really, I, I mean, I'm kind of scared to go to it because I don't want like my search history, although it's probably not so great well, right now anyway. Yeah. But
1: but I mean, if you're buying true crime things or um, artifacts, I don't know what yeah. the right word is, memorabilia, right. you're hoping it's not actually coming from the murderer. <laughs> I mean, well, right?
0: So yeah, they were willing to sell some of his drawings and poetry, but the Correctional Service of Canada prevented Theriot's works from leaving the prison, saying that, you know, you can't profit while you're sitting in jail. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, On February 26, 2011, Terrio was murdered by his cellmate, Matthew Gerald, sorry, Gerard McDonald. He was stabbed in the neck with a shiv, and afterwards, McDonald walked up to the prison guards and told them, that piece of shit is down the range. Here's the knife I sliced him up with.
1: Wow. Yeah. So he's willing to give himself up just to get this crazy guy out of here.
0: Yep. Terrio was 63 years old, and his DMC cult was finally over.
1: Now- Are you done? I'm done. I don't want to step on you. No, that's it. Did anyone come forward that was still living and say, yeah, this shit was batshit crazy, or are they mums the word? Because these people are so, like you said, willing to go have conjugal visits and get impregnated again after they know he's a
0: bad guy. Yes. So there was a book that was written. Um, The title was completely in French, so I didn't actually write it down. (laughs) I will add that, though, to our um, social media if anybody wants to check it out. I'm sure they've got English copies. Yeah, so there was a whole book written about it. I I think the people, the children, as you've talked about, um, all those children that were taken away, the 17 children, all went to foster homes. So I'm sure they finally got a good life that they deserved. I just wonder if people come forward insane. and say, "Yeah, this
1: guy was—he's a bad guy." I see that now. I mean, there's I'm a, sure this do. happens all the time with like sexual assaults or whatever. Right. Like people come out of the woodwork and say, "Oh yeah, I was abused by this person thirty years ago or whatever," and they start piling all that up. But these—that never seems to happen in these cases. They're so brainwashed that even after it's over, they just like well, kind of
0: Quite a few of these cults end with rarely, you know, any members alive. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that is the story of the Ant Hill Kids.
1: How did we miss that?
0: How did we miss that? (laughs) Crazy insane, right?
1: We'll have to pull the listeners and see if we say that too much. Maybe we should not do it.
0: No, it's the point of the show. I know, I kind of like
1: it. It's cute. It is cute.
0: So what do you have for me today?
1: Well, it's not really a conspiracy as much as it is a cover-up that happened right here in Boston. Oh. And so kind of along the lines of how did we miss this? We are big mobster fans, I guess, watching The Sopranos. And me, especially, I'm a fan of the mob culture and the movies and whatnot. I really want to know how I missed hearing about Whitey Bulger until we moved here. When we moved here, I hear about it all the time because I worked in Southie, started hearing about the Boston Mafia and all these things. I know people that were in the FBI that, helped hunt him down here in the Boston office. So I, but I heard nothing about it or so him I remember while we the were in name. California.
0: I remember the name and I knew it was bad, but I, I have still right now have no idea why.
1: But do you remember it because you saw it in a headline or something or, or was it, no, it or I, before we got here?
0: I think I've heard it talked about like in true crime stuff before.
1: So my source material comes from a, an article from the New York times from 2002 And an article from the History Channel um, from 2019 that just kind of talks about his background, which I'll go into now. So, Whitey Bulger, he goes by Whitey. His name was James. He was a gangster, notorious gangster from Boston. Um, He did go to prison eventually. Less than 12 hours after his transfer to a federal prison in West Virginia in 2018, he was found beaten to death.
0: Oh, my gosh. Because- Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was still alive. No. See?
1: he died in 2018. He was beaten to death. Wow. He was 89 years old at the time. Oh, gosh. But he was beaten because he was known in the mafia as a rat.
0: Oh, um, And yeah. we know from- Snitches get stitches.
1: Yeah, and we know um, from our you know watching of The Sopranos and things like that, there's nothing worse you can be- Right. Than a rat. And that's what he was. So, for two decades, he ruled Boston's underworld as its brutal kingpin. He secretly led a double life, however, as an informer for the FBI. And so mm. he was making side deals with the mm. FBI and the FBI at the time was a little corrupt and they were protecting him. So he's doing all these murders and doing all these mafia things. And they're just like sweeping it under the rug because he was an informant
0: because he's giving them info. Right. All right.
1: I see. So kind of bad. Um, in the Irish enclave of South Boston, they make Southie sound so elegant when they say that. Enclave. <laughs> that is where all the Irish people are. I will say that. So that was his turf, and he let it be known to everyone that that he despised snitches, and he turned down repeated offers from the FBI to become a confidential informant. That's what he told people.
0: Well, right. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm
1: totally. That all changed, however, when Agent John Connolly, another fine Irishman probably, approached him in the fall of 1975. Side note: We've been watching that show, The Alienist, and all the cops back then were oh, Irish. Oh yeah. So I think there's deep roots of Irish people. Oh, I thought you were going to say corrupt. <laughs> well, that too. That too. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Maybe it has something to do with being Irish, and thanks to 23 and Me, I'm mostly Irish, but I'm not corrupt. I promise. Uh,
0: wink, 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 wink.
1: Yeah. Um, Boulder knew that he could manipulate Connolly as soon as he met him, um, and he said that he would have Connolly working for him, which is indeed what happened. So there's a, a book, and most of the quotes in this story come from this author named Dick Lair. Dick Lair? <laughs> L-E-H-R. How would you say that?
0: L-E. Yeah, Lair.
1: Dick Lair. <laughs> Poor guy.
0: Dick. Well, he could have been Richard. Yeah.
1: So you're right. It could be Richard. I'm sure it was Richard by birth, but it, it, in the article it says Dick. So I'm going to go with Dick. Okay. He is the co-author of a book called Black Mass, Whitey Bulger, the FBI, and A Devil's Deal, which also became a movie in 2015, starring Johnny Depp. What? How did we miss that?
0: How did we miss that?
1: That seems like a movie I would have at least heard it about and seen. And I, you know, I love to watch the movies set in Massachusetts. Uh, we need to watch this. We, we need to track need to this watch, down.
0: Yes, we do. And
1: after learning more about this for the purpose of this episode, I think I want to read this book as well. But Agent Connolly had grown up in the same South Boston housing project as Bulger. As an eight-year-old in the 1940s, he met the charismatic 19-year-old. Again, charisma, right? Gets everybody. Kind of the theme of this episode here. Um, Bulger was 19 at the time. They met at a corner drugstore like you do. Bulger called Whitey because of his platinum blonde hair, offered to buy Connolly an ice cream, which he accepted. A short time later, Bulger saved Connolly as he was being beaten up by an older boy. Go fight somebody your own size, he said. But he knew right then I had him. I got him. I, I, I got well, this yeah, kid. yeah, you
0: save a guy and that's it. You're done.
1: The next time Connolly's path converged with boulders after he was joined the FBI was in 1968. By this time, Whitey had served time in Alcatraz for a bank robbing spree and ran an illegal gambling and loan sharking ring with the local Winter Hill gang. So anyway, in 1975, there was a secret meeting inside Connolly's Plymouth Parked, At a local beach, the agent asked Boulder to pass along information to help the FBI crack down on the local Italian mob. The agent told the gangster that the mafia was already giving the FBI information about Boulder's gang. This is a quote. Why don't you use us to do what they're doing to you? Fight fire with fire. Mm. So on that night inside Connolly's car, Boulder agreed to moonlight for the FBI under one condition. I will not be called an informant. I will be your strategist. Oh. <laughs> After all, there was nothing worse in the underworld of the mafia than being a rat. So, if you phrase that correctly, it can come out differently for you. So, he thought anyway, because he was ultimately killed for being a rat. So, over the course of decades, Bolger gave another agent, Ann Connolly, over $235,000. Wow. To like pay them off and bribe them to cover up his murders and other things. At Christmas, corrupt agents and police officers received envelopes bulging with cash. That's probably why they... Well, his last name was actually Bulger, but right. <laughs> makes sense that he's giving out bulging envelopes full of cash. Um, and the FBI began to start like working harder to cover up their corruption than doing their regular jobs.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like they got paid more.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, apparently, in reading this, this is a common occurrence within law enforcement and the FBI. So much so that there was, there's been multiple lawsuits against the FBI office of Boston oh. for covering up crimes, oh. dating back to this and others. That's the part I didn't know about because, like I said, I know people in there. I, obviously, I know them now, and yeah. I hope that they've cleaned that up, but interesting stuff. In 1994, Connolly gave Bulger advance warning that state and federal law enforcement officers were poised to arrest him. The crime boss fled Boston in advance of a January 1995 racketeering indictment and became public enemy number one after the killing of Osama bin Laden. So once we got rid of Osama bin Laden, this guy was the top of the list.
0: He moved up. He was number two, moved into number one. What is racketeering?
1: Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I should probably know. I didn't know. No, why don't we look it up? Why not? I'll look it up. We're going down this journey together. I'll look it up while you chat. So again, I picked this specifically because of the cover-up aspect, but guess where they found him?
0: I have no idea.
1: They eventually found Mr. Bulger. Well, first, let me cover this. While Bulger was on the run, Connolly was sentenced to 40 years in prison. He finally got busted for his corruption. And he gave a quote. He said, we got 42 stone criminals by giving up two stone criminals, referring to a murder that he was indicted on covering up. So he said, what's your return on investment there? Show me a businessman who wouldn't do that. So he's justifying letting these things happen yeah, because they caught 42 criminals in the process, which, I, I mean, yeah. that is pretty good, I guess. But please, what is racketeering?
0: So racketeering refers to crimes committed at a state or federal level. Racketeering may refer to the act of acquiring a business operation through illegal activity, operating a business with illegally derived income, or using a business operation to commit illegal acts.
1: Honestly, up until right now, I was today years old, I thought it had to do with being like, really proficient with a tennis racket. I'm a racketeer. Really? <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm kidding.
0: I was only, you know, a few months ago years old when I found out what money laundering actually was. Yeah, I
1: thought it was actually cleaning the money. Well, it like, is cleaning the money, yeah, but which is a, where the laundering a, comes from. But in a figurative from. sense. I thought they were physically like cleaning, physically cleaning it. it. Like taking it through the like laundry. Like
0: fingerprints, like getting yeah, taken out. Like
1: putting oh, okay. it through the wash and yeah, cleaning. Yeah, I could it.
0: see that. Mm-hmm.
1: Polishing the money. Yeah. I had no idea. That show helped me out. Help me figure Thank out you, what Ozark. it Ozark. Yeah. Um. So anyway, guess where Whitey was finally found? Where? Santa Monica, California. Santa
0: Monica, living in like a rent-controlled apartment, in one story.
1: Right. So that's like I said. That's why I picked this because of the Boston connection, obviously. And he was found in Santa Monica. I've heard stories that while he was in Santa Monica, he would frequent the Boston bar because LA's weird and nobody can like LA teams. They have yes. a bunch of Boston and Pittsburgh bars and whatever. He right. he would be seen going there. People just kind of left him alone. He was the guy who would walk around town with a Boston hat on, a Red Sox hat.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: Here's a picture of him on this article from in Santa Monica with his <laughs> Red Sox hat on. He looks like a gangster, right? He Still. totally does. Um, he looks
0: like Paulie.
1: So for nearly two decades, there was a campaign called Where's Whitey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can't get away with that nowadays. No.
1: Um and that was a commonly asked question around Boston. Reported sightings came in from around the world until he was captured in 2011 in Santa Monica, where he lived with his longtime girlfriend. Two years later, a jury found Bulger guilty of participating in 11 murders. Maybe some you can get into some of those oh, later. Yeah. And he was imprisoned with two life sentences. During the trial, Bulger acknowledged his involvement with racketeering, gambling, loan sharking, and drug dealing, but never of being an informer. He'd never said the words. I was the guy that did the directing. They didn't direct me, is what he told CNN. But the folks that killed him in the federal prison thought otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like I said, there's been several lawsuits since that have gone into this Boston office that reveal a a culture of concealment going on with the FBI. And, you know, I I feel like these last couple episodes, I've just been shaming law enforcement, saying they cheat on their spouses. (laughs) Yeah. And now I'm saying that the FBI covers things up and...
0: It's unfortunately, that's the name of the game when it comes to conspiracies and cover ups is it's usually law enforcement that has to, you know, is the the dealer in well, the situation. It, yeah. So unfortunately, it's kind of just the name of the game. So there are some things
1: that that the FBI has had chronic problems with, like they had the intel about 9-11 and didn't look into it. Right. And then 9-11 happens. And that's a bad that's a bad look for any agency. Absolutely. But the whole cover-up thing, and even for street cops at your local jurisdiction, you're exactly right that you have to make deals sometimes. You don't think these deals are going to end up being 11 murders that you covered up or helped, even helped with, but you have to make that deal on the street. You have to gain the trust of these guys to try to lead to the arrest and also to protect yourself. I mean, these guys will kill you just as fast as they'll kill anybody else on the flip side as well for the fbi or for the the mafia person that's an informant like we've seen and i know it's just tv you have to be willing and know that you're probably going to die yeah but what what's the what's the takeaway from that do you protect your family i mean as we saw in sopranos your family gets killed too so i mean what i don't understand why you would ever be an informant yeah i don't know i feel like i'd rather get busted and go to jail than help knowing that i'm going to die yeah at the hands of <laughs> Exactly. The mafia or whatever. So
0: I mean they must they must say they're gonna protect him or something and they just aren't able to. I don't know. Well, yeah, they're 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 never
1: able to because yeah. either either corruption sets in like here and something goes awry and he ends up getting arrested anyway, or in the process before they're able to protect him, somebody finds out and he gets whacked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'd be really interested to know and, and we will never know because it defeats the purpose, but how many people actually made it to witness protection and lived out their life there. And ended up having a good life after being an informant. I don't know. So that's my story on uh, Whitey.
0: Interesting. I had no idea that was a thing.
1: Yeah. Well, you do now.
0: I do now. Oh, another good episode, I think. I hope everyone else agrees.
1: Yeah. Time will tell.
0: If you'd like to see pictures and more information on these cases, be sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That, both on Instagram and Facebook. And I want to give a big thank you. For our theme composition, and it goes to Audio Anywhere Productions. You can find them at audioanywhereproductions.com. See you next week, and until then, keep your head up and look out for each other.